So today we are talking about Girl in Translation by Jean Kwok, which follows Kimberly and her mom as they immigrate from China to New York and Kimberly has to learn to adapt to this new way of life and try to make something of herself. And it is a true coming of age story because it starts when she is 11 or 12 and ends when she's graduating high school and then the epilogue has a giant time jump so it really does follow a lot of her life and it is really sad and emotional and eye-opening and just such an amazing book and I think really deserved to have gotten adapted and it hasn't yet and it just is so good and would be such a good story and so cool to see the progression and you could do it really well in a movie and I feel like we're having so many of these stories recently about minority characters and minority voices that I don't know why it hasn't been adapted but it's really really amazing and I'm very glad I read it and I have to shout out my friend Jessie and her mom and I've shouted them out a couple times on the podcast before because they have uh, given me some of the books that I've read recently and this is another one of them so thank you Jessie and her mom for getting rid of this book because I'm very glad I read it and I loved it. Books, TV, music, and movies. All things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who will listen, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I'm Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. As always with the book, we are going to start with a little bit on the writing, and the writing is in To Kill a Mockingbird point of view, which for those of you who haven't listened to other episodes of the podcast or don't know, um, that is basically my way of saying it's Kimberly telling the story as a grown-up looking back on her life as a child. And the reason I call it To Kill a Mockingbird point of view is because that was the first book where I read a point of view where the narration was an adult telling the story of them being a child, right? Because Scout tells the story like as an adult looking back on her childhood. So that's why I call it to come Mockingbird point of view. And it's really cool to see it in this book, especially with the perspective that Kimberly has gained over the years. And obviously everybody gains perspective as they grow up, but especially like with the perspective of having been in the United States for longer and done more things, like it's really cool to see it in To Kill a Mockingbird point of view. And it's written really, really well, and you get to see the language barrier really well with Kimberly trying to pronounce things and her trying to understand, like, the New York accent and everything. And as she gets better with English, the English gets better. And it just, it's really great writing, and it's hard for me to describe. I don't know, just the feeling I got when I was reading the book. Like, the writing was really, really great. And so, now we're going to move on to talking about the plot and starting with the god-awful apartment that Aunt Paula puts them into with the rats and the mice and the roaches. Like, I would cry every day if I had to live in that apartment because, like, I just, it was so awful and bad and terrible. And the fact that they lived there for so long, too, like, it was just a mess. 
And then speaking of messes, we see Kimberly's first day of school being really hard because she gets her zero on her quiz because her teacher, fucking Mr. Bogger, I hate him so much. With all of my life, I hate him. He's so annoying. But her teacher thinks that she was cheating when actually she was trying to understand the directions because she doesn't like understand English that well. And it was just like, it's hard enough having to move to a different country than to have a teacher that's such an asshole to you. Like, I feel so bad for her, and I hated that, especially because there were other teachers and other people at that school who really wanted her to succeed, and he was just not one of them, and it was so fucking stupid, and I hated it. Um, And then also things that sucked, working at the factory, and the fact that she had to work at the factory, and the fact that her mom had so much work at the factory she needed to help her out and that was how the system worked and the only thing good about the factory was meeting matt um which i liked but then kimberly decides to play hooky because of fucking bog art and she's like cold in the apartment and has no heat and we love that matt helps her lie to her mom but i hate that she feels like she needs to skip school because of the teacher, like, your teacher should never be the reason you skip school. If you want to skip school because kids are jerks, yeah, because kids are jerks, and, like, that's part of being a child is you be a jerk to other children, and it sucks, and we all are glad we're moving out of that phase in our lives. But, like, the teacher should not be the reason you're skipping school, and it's it fucking pisses me off. That is what it does. It fucking pisses me off that she skipped because of her teacher. Um, and then when she finally does go back... She asks for a rubber when she needs an eraser and everybody gets pissed at her. And I'm like, that's like a common mistake. And it's like, don't people kind of know? Like, isn't that something that you would think like, oh, maybe the child was asking for an eraser and not trying to disrupt your class, asking your teacher for a condom? Like, it's so fucking stupid. And Annette picks up on it too and is like, hey, by the way, like, here's an eraser. Like, we call them erasers in the United States, just so you're wondering. And then Kimberly does really well on her test because she's super smart. And I was very proud of her. I was very happy that Annette was being nice to her. And then I was very proud of her that she did super well on her test because she's a boss ass bitch when it comes to school. And I love that for her. And then another thing that I fucking hate about Bogart is he's a sexist, unthinking asshole who shines light on Tyrone as the token black kid who's rising up from the projects. And if y'all just worked as hard as Tyrone, you'd all be amazing because neoliberalism and we all need to pull ourselves up from the bootstraps. And look, if this kid can rise out of his project's life, then y'all can rise out too. You're just not working fucking hard enough. And it's such bullshit for so many reasons and so many barriers and so many things that people have to deal with and not everybody's life is the same and yes I'm sure Tyrone is a great kid and I'm sure he has a shitty life and is really working hard to try and make sure he doesn't give his kids a shitty life and he can rise up and that's great for him but you should not be pointing this shit out you should not be being like reinforcing the idea that if you just work hard enough you can get there because that's not how the system works the system is set up so that some people can never work hard enough and some people will never be enough to succeed and fuck him for reinforcing that idea of that system I just I can't I can't I really can't it it just is a lot anyways then we see the culture shock of going to Annette's house and I like that she got to go to Annette's house and that she got to see part of Annette's life and that she was bonding with Annette, but it did suck that she was, like, so culture-shocked and she's like, okay, well, now Annette can never come over to my house because she's gonna freak out if she sees how I live. And then learning that Kimberly counts money and prices in terms of how many skirts they have to work to get it, which 
really sucked and really showed you like her worldview and is like her life is the school and the factory and that is it and then seeing the Christmas gift exchange and giving Annette the plant because she didn't really know what to do and Annette being like giving her this really thoughtful gift of the keychain but it was also really small and probably something that Kimberly could have afforded to give to Annette but she didn't know and so it really sucked that it was like awkward but lord bless Annette's mom for being like this is amazing and you know not making Kimberly feel bad about the plant or worse than she already was feeling insurance of like lord bless Annette's mom is what I'm trying to say Annette's mom is pretty great and we love her and she has a bigger role throughout the book which we like and then we see Chinese New Year and it's really cool to see like the tradition and to see what Kimberly and her mom were doing and we see Mr. Al telling them about how the houses have been condemned and they're planned to be torn down and talking about them needing to move soon and I thought that was going to come up in the fact that they were going to have to move out and they were going to get to move into a better apartment because they were going to come tear these houses down but that is not what happened um so I was a little mad that that was not really foreshadowing and then we see Kimberly getting challenged to a fight by Luke and I was very proud of her for actually fighting back and then we realized it was some weird dating ritual and I was so confused because I was like I get that boys when they're little like to pick on girls because they don't know how to show affection any other way but in what instance do you actually fucking fight you know like I was very confused I didn't understand this thing as a dating ritual I was like I was proud of Kimberly for fighting back and then she was like yeah turns out he just actually wanted to date me and that was why he chose me to fight and I was like, oh, like, I had that realization with Kimberly. I was like, oh, this is weird. What weird American custom is this? Like, I'm American and I don't even get it, you know? And then we see the principal helping her get a um, scholarship to the private high school because she's so smart and she deserved it. And I was so proud of her. And then she goes to Harrison to do the interview. And I hate that she's like can't even afford it even with just a partial scholarship and she needed to have the full scholarship and she walks away thinking she's not gonna get it and then we go to her graduation and they announce that she got a full scholarship and I was so fucking amazed and proud of her and I was like why would you not tell her sooner but also this is really cool and I'm super proud of Kimberly because she is amazing and totally deserves that scholarship and then I love I love, I love, I love that they got to show up Aunt Paula with the scholarship offer because Aunt Paula was like, well, you shouldn't even think about applying because you're not going to get in and it's super fucking expensive. And she's like, look, it's already an offer with a full scholarship and just got to be so cool. And I was so proud because Aunt Paula is kind of a bitch. And yes, she's been through her own life and her own struggles, but she's still a bitch to them. So I was proud that they got to show her up. And then... As time does during summer, time moves faster um, with summer, and so the summer after sixth grade passes within pages, and that's what it feels like in real life, too. You know, summer goes by in the blink of an eye, and then you're back in the drags of school, which, I mean, points for being realistic. I would have liked to see more of her summer, but it is realistic that summer just kind of goes, flies by, and then you show up back at school. And then we see her working in the Harrison Library with a drama teacher and having an English tutor. And she actually has adults and older kids in her life that are working to support her and trying to help her. And I loved that for her. And then I hate that she gets teased about her underwear were changing for 
gym, which like, it just, uh, it was annoying and stupid. And then I was very proud of her for walking up to Greg and rejecting him in front of everyone and turning the tables on him. That was very cool and I was very proud of her for that and it was amazing. And I was just, I was so proud. Every time Kimberly did something like that, I was just so proud because I was like, this sucks and life really sucks for you and you've got thrown a lot of shit. But she just, she kept going, kept being able to do it and like kept doing stuff like that. And I was so proud of her. And then fucking Aunt Paula again, getting relieved um, because Kimberly got a 67 on her test, and it meant that Nelson was doing better than her in school, which, like, fuck off, like, Aunt Paula's a bitch, and then, speaking of people who need to fuck off, Tammy needs to fuck off for setting her up for cheating on a physical science test, because that was so, like, school and academics are the one thing that Kimberly has found is, like, a safe haven, especially, like, the academics of school, like, school and the social side and the people side is hard for her, but the academics of school were the thing that she thought she knew, and the fact that Tammy was working to actively take that away from her fucking sucked, and then I do love that Kurt came to her defense, and then when they got the results back of the test, Kimberly actually got a 96, and Tammy failed, and I love that her teacher gave her the benefit of the doubt, and I love that Tammy failed, and it was just a, a sucky situation turned into a good situation, but I was very, very pissed, because I was like, this is the one thing that she clings to, and the one thing she knows she's good at, and you need to fuck all the way off about it. And then... Kimberly having to do her taxes for her and her mom because the forms are in English and like I can barely do my taxes as it is and I am fluent English it's my native language and I have the help of TurboTax and Kimberly has to fill out tax forms when she's working in a factory and like it's all this stuff and she's going to school and she has to figure out taxes like I I could never I really could never um but I was so proud of her for being able to do that and then we go to the movie and put on makeup with Annette, and I love Annette so much. I love that Annette, like, stayed Kimberly's friend throughout the entire time and was really, like, tried to make her a part of her life and recognized that Kimberly had struggles and tried to, like, you know, be there for her as much as she could, and it was never like, oh, Kimberly's pulling away and being weird, so Annette was like, well, fuck you, I can't be your friend anymore because you don't let me in. Like, Annette stayed and was a true friend, and I love that for Kimberly. And then... We see Matt low-key ask her out, which I was very happy about, and then she didn't even say anything, and then we have the steamer accident, and Kimberly fights with Aunt Paula, which means Matt gets the steamer job, which puts more pressure on him, and I was like, how did we go from him kind of asking you out to him being in this really shitty situation and you not actually agreeing to go out with him? Like, I was very mad about it. And then... We do actually get to tour in New York City with Matt, and they go to the music store, and they see the Statue of Liberty, and it was really cute and fun, and then Kimberly does too well on her placement exams and has to take this major oral exam to make sure she wasn't cheating, which, like, fuck all the way off. Like, how do you cheat on placement exams and not get caught if she basically got caught, or you thought she got caught maybe cheating on a test in like a, just a regular class and also if she does too well on placement exams like who does too well on placement exams like why are you trying to make this a thing like I was so fucking mad about the fact that they're making her take this oral exam 
But then I did like that she confesses to Annette about the cheating scandal in the factory and everything. And then just gets to hang out with Annette and test perfume at Macy's and stuff. And, like, again, I love Annette. And I love that they, like, hang out and stuff. And then we see her bonding with Park, who's kind of autistic, over the motorcycle and car magazines. And I love that they have a bond together that forms throughout the book and stuff. And then Kimberly kicks ass at the placement exams and jumps two years of math and science, which I was so proud. I was like, see, y'all thought she was doing too well and she's just going to kick ass on this oral exam too and jump multiple years of things. And then Matt showing Kimberly his dad, who we thought was dead and how his dad gambles away everything. And that's why he has to cut school and have a second job. And that really fucking sucks because parents are supposed to be the ones to take care of their kids. And the fact that he's gambling away all his money and forcing his like 14 year old child to drop out of school and have two jobs to work to support your gambling fucking addiction is so fucking stupid and annoying and then matt goes off and starts to date vivian which like no he was supposed to be with kimberly and it was not supposed to be a thing and he should not be with vivian and i just i didn't like it i didn't like it at all and then kurt needs kimberly to tutor him so she gets pseudo popularity and some interest from Harrison boys, which allows her to make out with a bunch of people at school, which I was glad she got some normal high school experience of just like making out in the hallways. Like I hate the people who make out in the hallways because really like find a better place to do it. But I'm glad she got like a normal experience. And then it sucks that her mom failed the natural naturalization exam, which meant that Kim really had to take it when she was an adult. And then we go to this very important debate thing for Nelson and we watch him lose. And I was very happy he lost because if he'd won, Aunt Paula would have been more of a bitch. So I was grateful that she had to shut up for a little bit. And then the stove breaks and the stove is like their heater because they don't have heat in their apartment. And the guy that was recommended from one of the factory workers comes in and breaks the stove even more and tries to scam them. And I love that Kimberly was like, no, you can't scam us. Like, we're not paying you. And, like, stands up for herself and her mom. And then they call the actual repair guy. And he comes in. And he's, Lord bless him, he's able to fix it. And then he doesn't take the tip. And is like, I can't, in good conscience, like, take more money from y'all and stuff. And, like, I love that for once the system which was the repair guy like actually was good and was helpful to them and they didn't have to do it like the different like immigrant like find your own way way you know what i mean like i was glad that for once the system actually worked in favor for them and then speaking of kimberly and park's relationship i love that kimberly saved park um while vivian was just standing there and then she kisses matt in the bathroom during the inspection and I fucking hate him all, thinks he's not worthy, but this time I'm compelled to agree with him because Kimberly really is going places, and, like, I would be pissed if he was all, I'm not worthy of you, if he was, like, I'm not worthy because you're going places, and, like, I won't be able to go places with you, and, like, I'm gonna be stuck on these jobs all the time, I would be like, okay, you're being fucking stupid, like, let her take care of you, and, like, it's fine if she wants to be with you, she's allowed to be with you, but I was pissed off at him because it wasn't like he was like, oh, I'm not worthy. 
and you're going places, he was like, I need to be the one to take care of you, which is sexist bullshit, and I was pissed, I was like, yeah, fine, you're not worthy of her, if you won't let her, like, live her life, and you want to tie her down in a relationship because you have some ideas about men and women, fuck off, you're not worthy, you know, and then... We see Kimberly getting stoned and making out with Kurt at his party. And I was very glad that the only thing that happened was she made out with him and there wasn't, like, you know, sexual assault things or themes or anything coming up like that. Like, I was scared for her going to her first party and, like, whatever. But I was glad, like, she was just able to get stoned and chill out. And then we see her open her SAT scores at the factory and she got perfect SAT scores. And I was so proud of her and <laughs> found it so funny she's like there has to be some mistake they're just showing like what scores are available to get and her aunt's like stupid that's your scores like you got a perfect score congratulations I was so proud of her and then Annette finally comes to her apartment on the day of the citizenship test and is like why didn't you tell me and you know it's a whole thing and Annette's mom finds them the new apartment which love Annette's mom like I was saying earlier love Annette's mom I love that she finds them the new apartment and then Matt shows up at Harrison because his mom died, which really fucking sucks, obviously, because his mom was, like, a huge part of his life. And then they just fall into bed together to feel better and use sex to ignore their problems. And as soon as she said, let's use two just to be safe, I knew. I was like, fuck. Like, fuck. You know? And obviously the con is break, but it's not obvious to her. Because I guess they didn't have sex ed or they didn't have good sex ed. Um, but yeah, that, uh, as soon as they were like, oh yeah, the condoms broke. I was like, oh crap, is that, is, are they really, is this the way we're going? And it did turn out to be the way we're going. But before that, we see the full ride to Yale, which again, so super proud of her. Kimberly is my baby and I fucking love her. And I was so proud that she got a full ride to Yale. And then... Aunt Paula breaks down in tears about how much work she did um, and plays the victim. And I was, like, not very happy about that. And, like, I was like, okay. I'm sure if I read a book from Aunt Paula's perspective, I would be able to empathize and sympathize with Aunt Paula and her struggles. It's just when you see the way that she treats Kimberly and her mom, I can't. I can't get it out of my head that that's the way she's treating them. Like, you've had your struggle, sure, but you're treating these people like shit. So it's like they cancel each other out a little bit, you know? And then, um, they finally leave the factory, which I was so fucking proud of. I was like, you get to leave the factory. This is so amazing. I'm so glad. And then they have that one date with Matt and, um, Kimberly learns that Park has, like, regressed a lot since Park and Matt's mom has died. And Matt, again, with his fucking, I need to be the one to take care of us bullshit like no you don't if you love her and you really love her you could have an enjoyable life and a better life with letting her take care of you like why are you not doing that you know like I was so fucking pissed because I was like you could be great this could be great you could be in love and have a better life if you would just put your toxic masculinity to the wayside and he won't and then we see Kimberly pregnant and Kurt offering to marry her, which, like, what is it with men and being like, oh, I'll marry you, like, as soon as there's a baby in the equation, like, fuck that stereotype, because it's so fucking stupid, um, and Kimberly is also a very capable young woman who doesn't need to get married to figure out her 
own situation. Like, she can do it without him, you know? And then we see Kimberly telling Annette and her mom about the baby. And my one thing is, why did neither of them offer to help her get an abortion? Like, it's Democratic-ass New York City. I'm pretty sure it's not that hard. It's not like you live in Alabama where there's all these hoops to jump through. Um, So I don't know why that never happened like especially Annette who like grew up in America where it's a thing I would understand if her mom was like okay well now you're gonna be a mother but why would Annette not be like you know and it was just it was not clicking in my mind because I was like you have a floor to Yale get an abortion and go to Yale you know um and then we don't have any closure we just fucking skip 12 years and like I was so confused. I was like, why are we skipping 12 years? What the fuck is going on? And then we see her as a pediatric heart surgeon and she has her motorcycle and she meets up with Matt who married Vivian. And I hate that she married, he married Vivian. Um, and him telling her that she knew she got pregnant the whole time and them both being so in love and not being able to be together. Like I was sad now like reading it 12 years later that they were so in love and couldn't be together I wasn't sad about the fact that she didn't give up and marry him in the past I was sad about the fact that they couldn't now reconnect and it couldn't be like a reunited lovers thing you know and then the biggest fucking surprise of all was that she kept the kid and she worked four jobs and graduated Yale with honors and is now like living her life and I was so shocked I was like first of all you kept the kid second of all you worked four jobs while you had a kid while you were at Yale, third of all, you graduated with honors, like, I was so fucking shocked, but so fucking proud, and it ended super happily, which I loved, and she had her life together, and it was an amazing book, and written super well, and the story was super amazing, and like I said, I was so super shocked at the ending, but I loved it, and even though her journey was hard and long, and a lot of work, she did make it, and did everything that she wanted to do, and as sad as the book was at points, it was hopeful. And even though it's not every immigrant story, right? Like not every immigrant does survive this. And it does play into the idea of the American dream and the stereotype. I was glad that I read it and it was very good. And I wish it would be turned into a movie. And I don't know. I like there's a deeper conversation you can be had about this book that I do not have the brain capacity to have um, in talking about the stereotype of the immigrant rising up from the projects with just slaves into and the American dream and how that's not a reality for everybody. But this book did highlight immigrant struggles and it wasn't like she came here and everything was peachy keen and she did have her struggles. She did have to jump through hoops and stuff. And so like, I think it's a good balance. Obviously, you know, it ends hopefully. So it does play on the stereotype, but it's a book and it's fiction and we want it to end happily so like I said there is a deeper conversation that I am not in the headspace um to have but it was a really good book and I'm very happy that Jessie and her mom were getting rid of it and I was able to read it because it was amazing and I stand by what I said earlier I think it should be adapted into a movie because I think it would make a really great movie so yeah I have been my gosh and this has been my take on Girl in Translation by Jane Kwok thanks listening so we're kind of a one-woman show here at my take so the credits are not going to be very long this podcast is produced and edited um by me i do all of my own social media the only person i really have to thank is one of my great friends paris 
who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.